Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. It is time for a do-over in North Carolina's 9th Congressional District. Massive election fraud. Cancel that election and just schedule a whole new one right from the start. Hey, what do you say, everybody? Boy, can you believe it? It's a Friday, Friday, December 7, Pearl Harbor Day, here on the Bill Press Show, coming to you live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Lots going on today uh, with the uh, House finally deciding they were going to uh, punt. That's what they always do when they have any question that they've got to decide. Why make a decision if we can put it off uh, for a couple of weeks or maybe a month or maybe six months? Uh, they've put off a decision on funding Donald Trump's border wall, it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen, but they're going to fight it out starting December 21st. Yes, right before Christmas. Merry Christmas. Uh, Donald Trump taking off for Kansas City today uh, on another BS trip just to get him out of the White House, which the staff likes to do. Maybe get him away from his iPhone long enough to uh, give us a little uh, rest because he's been tweeting into the early hours of the morning and starting again in the early hours of the morning. Okay, enough already, enough already. Uh, And indeed, some news about uh, undocumented workers invading the country and taking jobs from Americans at Donald Trump's golf courses. Hey, Donald, what's up with that? Here we go. Lots to talk about. You send us your comments on the news of the day as we get into it on Twitter at BP Show, at BP Show. But first, this is the Full Court Press. All righty, just a couple of other stories making news. A scary day yesterday at Burbank's airport, so they got a little rain yesterday. Oh, boy, did they ever. Over the course of six hours, they received 1.66 inches of rain, which is a hell of a lot of rain for that area. Their monthly average, monthly average, is 2.4 inches. So when it rains... 
course, airplanes have a hard time landing, which is exactly what happened to one Southwest flight that was flying from Oakland. It skidded on the runway, and here's one woman who was a passenger on the plane that described what happened. The pilot came on uh, the radio and said, hey, I just want to let you guys know that the runway at Burbank's uh, kind of short, it's rainy, and so we're, I'm going to break hard. They did break hard, and in fact, there is a... Uh, at the end of the runway is you. I'm sure you know this very well, Bill. Yeah, they have this sort of sand trap. Yeah, well, so it's it's uh, there's sand and it's also concrete blocks that are meant to collapse under the right. Uh, right. weight of a plane. So that essentially stopped them. Just on the other side of this system was, yeah, a highway. Uh, right. Uh, for seven years, I commuted twice a week from Oakland to Burbank. Burbank okay. to oh, Oakland. Oh, so you know this? I well. know that airport. I. Did you ever have years? to slam into those things? No, but I knew everybody in that airport. I mean, Holy the security cow. people knew me. The yeah, I mean, because I, that was that was my home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody's. It an, it's an old air uh, Hughes Air Force Air um, Hughes manufacturing. Mm. They used to make warplanes there. Okay. So it's a, a small airport and a small and a short runway. They, yeah, they 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 really emphasized how short the runway is. And also, <laughs> by the way, every passenger on the flight. Uh, Got a free ticket and additional compensation, although that was not. And a free bag of peanuts. And a free bag of peanuts. (laughs) Hey, the Oscars are coming up, Bill, and they have a a host, Kevin Hart. Comedian Kevin Hart was named as the host of the Oscars. (laughs) Well, that was until yesterday. Some of his homophobic tweets surfaced, resurfaced. Uh, These tweets were done back in 2009 and 2011. Lots of derogatory language referring to gay people. Uh, made some very disparaging comments about homosexuality. He has since deleted the tweets, but it's too late. Once you put it out there, people see them. They're there forever. Can you imagine if he walked out on that stage? In Hollywood. In Hollywood? After those tweets. Yeah. No, would that would be, be a bad idea. Roundly booed. Chased yeah, off the stage. Late yesterday, he said, quote, I have made the choice to step down uh, from hosting this year's Oscars. But so, the fact that they named him is insane. You'd think they'd, yeah. I've seen them. This is the Bill Press Show. Yes, in this country, we are not allowed to hire undocumented workers unless I hire them myself. That's what Donald Trump says this morning. At least that's what he should say. Hey, hello, everybody. Nice to see you today. On a Friday, yeah, a rare Friday appearance for me uh, on uh, this Friday, December 7th. I don't know why the hell I'm here. but Who am I? Why am I here? Why am I here, right? (laughs) What happened? Who talked me into coming in this morning? Uh, But, oh, it is so great to see you. It's so great to be here with you. Wink, wink. Uh, On a Friday. We do have lots to talk about, so at least that's going to keep us busy here. On this Friday, December 7th, the Bill Press Show, coming to you live coast to coast from our studio in Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., as always, uh, and joining you, as always, in every little corner of this United States of America and, indeed, around the globe as we join you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And one more reminder about our podcast. We want to get those numbers up to record numbers uh, and is growing every day. Tell your friends, check it out, podcast, billpressshow.com. 
check out the podcast or go to iHeartRadio wherever you follow your podcast. We are there. Uh, and don't forget to sign up so you are a regular of the Bill Press team and you will get all the extra stuff that we put up there as well during the day and over the weekends. Of course, we're with you on television on the one and only Free Speech TV and on the radio statewide in Indiana and out in the Chicago area, the city of Chicago and roundabout Chicago on WCPT, the big progressive voice of Chicago. Hello, hello, hello. As we go into the weekend, not yet. we got a couple of hours before we release you into the weekend. Uh, some winter weather expected to slam into the southern United States. They seem to be the ones. <laughs> Something's weird here. All the snow is happening in the south. Very little snow up in the north. Maybe a little bit this weekend coming up, but it's going to hit the south first. So it's sort of. I wonder why that could be, Bill. You, wonder, you just have to wonder what's going on with the weather. Um, well, if it's snow, it can't be global warming. That's right. That's right. Uh, kind of, uh, we know that. Uh, but let's see, where do we start today? Well, first we start by inviting your comments on Twitter, as always, at BP Show, at BP Show. Um, I, I guess I want to I start by introducing you to um, Victoria Morales. Victoria Morales, she is a, a fine person here. She's got a very important job up in Bedminster, New Jersey, at the Donald Trump National Golf Club in Bedminster, New Jersey. She is the one, when Donald Trump goes up there, uh, she makes Donald Trump's bed. She cleans his toilet. She dusts his crystal golf trophies. And when he is there, she wears a Secret Service pin. So she can go, of course, in and out of the apartment anytime she wants. and that, So she is basically Donald Trump's maid when he is at Bedminster, New Jersey. Uh, she's been there for five years, since 2013. And uh, she knows the president, and he knows her, and it's all very fine. Uh, she has an interesting story. Uh, Victoria Morales, which she has now told to, uh, she was on, I saw her on CBS News, NBC News, and she's on the front page of the New York Times this morning because she came to this country in 1999, crossing the border illegally. In other words, she is an undocumented worker. They knew it at Bedminster, she says. Uh, they helped her get phony work documents at Bedminster, and she says she is hardly the only one. Uh, that there are as many as a dozen at Bedminster, New Jersey alone. Uh, we don't know what the story is in Sterling, Virginia, for example. We don't know what the story is at Mar-a-Lago or any of his other properties. Uh, <clears throat> a little embarrassing. And Victor, Victoria Morales said the reason she decided to come forward and tell her story, she tells the New York Times, quote, we are tired of the abuse, the insults, the way he talks about us when he knows that we are here helping him make money. Busted, Donald. Uh, it's interesting. He's been tweeting, as we said, all last night, and he's been tweeting early this morning. Uh, I haven't seen any tweets at all about Victoria Morales. Um, uh, by the way, th this, th this is like, in a sense, nothing new. I mean, almost every time you see these highfalutin Republicans get on their high horse and slam and attack what they call illegal immigrants, right? 
undocumented workers. You, you, you poke a little bit. If they've got a business, they're hiring them to do their lawn, make their beds, wash their dishes, cook their meals or whatever. They're Every all hypocrites. Single Every single one. one. Every yeah. single one. Yeah. I mean, you just go just go down the list, right? And by the way, it's not and, just businesses. <laughs> it's a lot of these Trump voters who oh, you bet happily vote for these policies to keep immigrants out of this country and then when yeah. they need some help, yeah. Yeah. They're going to find day laborers that are a lot of the times undocumented workers. Totally. And you see these you see these spots down to Home Depot or whatever, yeah. they're gathering spots where they know they need somebody to put up some drywall. Or they need somebody to tear something down, you know, or whatever, right? That's what they do. Yeah. And they, they, they just just look the other way for five minutes or five hours uh, while they uh, hire their own undocumented workers, pay them dirt, and then go out and vote for policies that are going to deport uh, all of these people out, out of the country. So just want to point out uh, – <laughs> We, we all knew Donald Trump was a hypocrite. Just more proof of it uh, this morning. Meanwhile, the big political news has to be what's happening down in uh, North Carolina. This is really stunning. North Carolina's ninth congressional district. And again, this is against the backdrop of Donald Trump for before the election in 2016. And ever since, uh, one of his primary themes is Voter fraud, voter fraud. Everything is rigged. It's a rigged system. It's rigged against me. Uh, there's not been one case. You know, remember accusing uh, Hillary Clinton, five million people voted for her illegally. Otherwise, he would have won the popular, the popular vote. Uh, accusing them of running busloads of voters from Massachusetts into New Hampshire. It goes on and on. All these lies, not one, not one single case of voter fraud. And of course, all of that was echoed by Chris Kobach, his stooge that he appointed head of this voter fraud commission, which <laughs> was such a failure where they couldn't find any, again, any evidence of voter fraud at all that they shut the damn thing down. And then Chris Kobach got defeated running for governor of Kansas. So some good things happened this year. Uh, at any rate, despite all of that, we now have one case, not of voter fraud, but election fraud. No doubt about it. And where is it? It's not in a Democratic uh, operation. It's a Republican operation in North Carolina, of all places. And what happened is this Mark Harris, Republican candidate, uh, first of all, in the primary, he knocks off an incumbent Republican member of Congress. He challenged him, you know, a Tea Partier, if you will, or a Trumper from the right, challenges Robert Pittenger, said he wasn't conservative enough, and he beat him in the primary. Uh, and in the primary, when he lost, Robert Pittenger said, you know, I think the reason I lost was because of ballot stuffing. He accused, at the time, Mark Harris, his opponent, of hiring somebody to do some ballot stuffing. Nobody paid any attention to it at the time. Certainly, the Republican Party... This is the Republican primary, remind you. The Republican Party did nothing about it. Nobody, nobody, nobody. They looked the other way. They said Pittenger was just being a sore loser. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, now, then the general election comes along, and it's Mark Harris versus Democrat Dan McCready. Uh, on election night, it looked like Harris had won by about 900 points. McCready actually conceded. 
Well, then it turns out that Mark Harris hired the same guy that he hired, a guy named uh, McCray Dallas. He hired the same guy as a consultant to do some get-out-the-vote operation. In other words, to do some more ballot stuffing. This McCray Dallas is a uh, well-known character in North Carolina. In fact, in 2016, he was accused of, let's see, what? Election fraud. Oh, yes. So he's done this before. He's hired, He did it in the primary. Mark Harris hires him to do the same kind of ballot stuffing in the general. And what he was doing was going around knocking door to door, as, as in most states, if you have a mail-in ballot, like I always vote by mail in California, uh, you have a mail-in ballot, you have to mail it yourself, or you can have somebody turn it in for you, but you've got, it has to be your legal guardian, or, or like if you're incapacitated and can't get out of the house, you know, your spouse or somebody, you have to designate somebody. So what they, these guys would do is they would go door to door and say, hey, were you going to mail in your ballot? Well, I'll do it. I'll deliver it for you. And, of course, there are enough, nice? enough dummies out there. We'll give it to them. Unsealed. They, some of them haven't even filled them out yet. And so Dallas's people would fill all these out, turn them in uh, to show you <laughs> how dumb ass he was. The ballots from this one county came in that that, that were turned in uh, in a Democratic part of the district, uh, Congressional 9th District. 96% of the ballots turned in were for the Republican. 96%? Nobody gets, you know, 96% of the absentee ballots. It's you just, know. So they, they've got them. They got them cold. They got them cold. And the evidence is right there. So much so that the North Carolina state election officials will still today not certify that election. You know, it's all election fraud is bad, obviously. Right. But like the way that this was done in such a coordinated way and such a blatant way, as you just pointed out, is disgusting. Yeah, it's disgusting. And how bad it is. (laughs) It's so bad that the executive director of the North Carolina Republican Party, Mr. Dallas Woodhouse, whose brother, Brad Woodhouse, is former communications director for the Democratic National Committee, and our friend who will be in studio with us about 15 minutes from now, (laughs) his brother, Dallas Woodhouse, yesterday said he saw the report on CNN about this, and it upset him so much that he threw up. And then he came out and said he would support a brand new election in North Carolina. He thinks they ought to have a hearing first, but he said if the evidence is what they showed on CNN, if the evidence is as bad as they say it is, they ought to start from scratch, have a brand new one. I don't think there's any other option. No. You got to go back to the primary, redo the primary. Yeah. And then redo the general. Yeah. And uh, however it breaks, that's the way it breaks. And the the other thing is Nancy Pelosi's and... uh, uh, Sherry Bustos, who's head of the now our good friend from Illinois, Congresswoman Sherry Bustos, head of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, uh, both she and the speaker to be, Nancy Pelosi, have said um, they're not going to seat this guy. Good. Yeah, and they shouldn't. It's it's clearly fraudulent uh, election. Uh, but again, I find it somewhat delicious that after all the talk about voter fraud or election fraud. This is the only case of election fraud we've seen in three years, and it's a Republican 
Republican candidate in North Carolina. Look, you you take a look at our voting system. By the way, can I just add sure. one thing? Donald Trump has not said one single word about this. I, I wouldn't hold your breath. Not one word. Waiting for him to say something. Finally, 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 we have evidence of election fraud. Not one word. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, you, you have to look at our voting system. You have to look at what happened with the general election in 2016. You have to look at Russia and the role that they played and the role that the <laughs> Donald Trump administration played in getting them to the table uh, to have a, a, an opportunity to do something like that. You look at what's happening in North Carolina. You look at what happened in Georgia uh, with Stacey Abrams. Uh, you take a look around the country at what Republicans are doing to the voting process here in America. Yeah. And, yeah. and they're just completely ruining the free, fair, independent elections that, that but, we hold so dearly. They're doing everything they can. Yeah. Yeah. Mean, yeah while, uh, it's, it, every single case, it's Republican. While this every election, single case. While this election fraud is taking place. Yeah, you've got all these efforts, which we've talked about so often here of um, on the show, of uh, attorney generals or state secretaries of state in the red states trying to make it more difficult for people to vote and to really su- suppress the vote. So we'll see what happens in uh, North Carolina. It'll be interesting to get Brad Woodhouse's comments about his baby brother <laughs> uh, when he, uh, when he uh, steps up. Uh, other news. Yes, indeed, uh, Donald Trump has a... Uh, Another Foxer, big appointment here. Where does he go when he wants to make a big appointment? He goes to cable news. That's where we got Larry Kudlow, right? Uh, and so many other people in the uh, in the uh, Trump administration. Uh, the latest is, um, I think, Nowart is how you pronounce her name, Heather Nowart, who is the press secretary at the State Department. So we know that Nikki Haley has stepped down as the uh, U.S. ambassador to the United Nations. Donald Trump looking for her successor. Um, Heather Nowart, Nowart was co- and co-host of Fox and Friends, Donald Trump's favorite TV show. She's been over to the State Department since she moved from being a co-host at Fox, an anchor at Fox, to uh, the press secretary at the State Department. So she has zero government experience, zero foreign policy experience, other than reading press releases and handling press conference, I mean, briefings, rare briefings, I might add, at the State Department. You know, our friend Josh Letterman, who's now NBC News and was a, uh, uh, AP at the State Department, told us several times about th- they, they have as few briefings at the State Department as they now have at the White House. At any rate, basically the point I'm making is she has zero experience in foreign policy and zero government experience. Uh, the White House announcing, confirming yesterday that she will be the new U.S. ambassador to the United Nations. The one qualification that she takes to that job is <clears throat> that she's a Trumper uh, and she's willing to go out there and defend Trump no matter what. But again, that's his, um, you want a job in the Trump administration? Uh Get a job on Fox News. Remember, who was it at last couple of weeks ago, Peter, that they were told the advice that they got to get a job was exactly that? Oh, Matt Whitaker, the acting right. attorney general. Right. That's that's the advice that Jerome Corsi gave Matt Whitaker, and Matt Whitaker did it, and, of course, he is now the acting attorney general of the United States. 
There you go. <laughs> Donald Trump's <laughs> the pool for possible new employees. Hey, big day today on the Robert Mueller front. Uh, Robert Mueller today is scheduled to file his uh, latest report to in front of a judge on what should happen with Paul Manafort, who has a sentencing hearing uh, later this month. Uh, this is going to be huge. This is going to be very, very significant. Probably like the Michael Flynn filing, a lot of it will be redacted. But but putting this in context, there's a lot of things got pretty quiet during the midterms. But since then, it's been almost every other day or every couple of days, boom, 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 the footsteps of Robert Mueller, right? Uh, just in the last week. It started with Robert Mueller saying, hey, Paul Manafort made a deal with us to cooperate and tell the truth. Instead, he's been lying to my investigators, still lying, and the deal is off. So we're going to throw the book at Paul Manafort, at which point Donald Trump, of course, says, I might help him out with a pardon. Then on top of that, we had Michael Cohen step forward. Michael Cohen cooperating, not just with Robert Mueller, but with the New York Attorney General and with the U.S. Attorney in New York. On, on at least three different cases, he is cooperating, and he admits that he lied to Congress about the extent of, <clears throat> he didn't use the word, we can use the word, collusion between Donald Trump and the Russians while Donald Trump was running for president on a new hotel project in Moscow. Uh, and the, uh, the Russians knew Donald Trump was lying about it. And they, uh, and, and, and Cohen lied to Congress about it. It all came forward, which raises again the question of collusion with the Russians. And Michael Cohen, he's now, he's now pledged to fully cooperate with Robert Mueller. And then on top of that, you've got the filing from Michael Flynn the other day where Robert Mueller said, again, said that Flynn has been so helpful, so cooperative, they've learned so much from him uh, that they're going to recommend zero prison time and that Flynn has helped them with, again, three different investigations. So this Mueller thing is bigger than we thought it was. It's not just the investigation, criminal investigation, remember, into whether or not the United, president of the United States broke the law by colluding with the Russians to undermine the 2016 election and by obstructing justice as part of this uh, investigation and maybe also by witness tampering. But there are two other cases, we don't even know what they are, where, where Michael Cohen, or where Michael Flynn, rather, has also been cooperating with the special counsel. And now on top of that, we will find out what the uh, Robert Mueller has to say about what should be the fate of Paul Manafort now that he has broken his plea deal with the with the special counsel. So um, the Mueller the Mueller investigation is really really um, in. I mean, it's full steam ahead right now, and we don't even know what's going to be coming next. Well, we. Uh, um, Duck, duck the bullet yesterday, I guess I should put it, with the Dow. Boy, the Dow, which was closed the day before for the funeral service for President George H.W. Bush, it reopened yesterday and everybody thought, remember, it crashed 799 points in one day, the day on Tuesday. 
Everybody thought yesterday when it reopened it was going to be another plunge. Uh, fasten your seatbelts. And it was. Went down 761 points. Bounced back, thank God, to, go, to, to end up down only 79 points. But what's happening? This, again, is the uncertainty over this trade war with China that Donald Trump launched, said that he fixed down in Argentina, and then when he comes back and brags about what a great deal they made, China says there was no deal whatsoever. China hasn't agreed to anything. Even Larry Kudlow, the president's chief economic advisor, we played those clips over and over. All Larry Kudlow could say is, I think they're going to do this. I expect them to do this. The president assumes they're going to do this. My guess is they're going to do this. That's all the certainty they could give. It wasn't good enough for, for, for Wall Street. That's why the Dow plunged. And yesterday it was made even. And then Donald Trump, of course, adds to that by saying, hey, I'm tariff man. I love tariffs. We're going to have even more tariffs. Last thing Wall Street wanted to hear. Uh, and also, He also does not understand how tariffs work. No. Like if you read his it, tweets, he just doesn't understand. He how thinks they work. they're one-way street. Yeah, he, he does. Yeah, he doesn't get that if we put tariffs on them, they can put tariffs on us. Right. Yeah. Right. And by the way, very smart tariffs. They target the tariffs to parts of the country that they want to hurt because those that's where Trump supporters are. Now, there's one other factor that has uh, influences, which is, and you know, rightly or wrongly, I must say. I don't know all the cases, but while Donald Trump and President Xi are at the table having dinner in Argentina, the Canadian government is arresting a leading Chinese high-tech executive, a woman, don't ask me to pronounce her name, at the request of the United States. They arrest her, and the United States is asking her to be extradited to the United States from Canada to face charges about stealing intellectual property. Again, they may have a case against her, they may not. But the last thing uh, that was needed right now in terms of easing the tension between China and the United States is the arrest of one of their top executives, which, again, I point out, took place at the very time that President Xi and Donald Trump were clinking the champagne glasses, celebrating their the truce that they've achieved in Argentina. So somebody got their signals crossed, and China is royally upset at this, what they consider not just uh, an unfair treatment of her, but an insult to the to China and to the Chinese people. So it's just uh, the administration could not be handling this worse. Uh, and again, uh, I think with this, if this uncertainty continues, uh, and a lot of those who watch the market are saying, this is going to be a continued slide, could end up in a recession, could end up in the Trump slump. Boy, we're just uh, cracking the surface here. So, so much to talk about. Um, we want to analyze the midterms and look ahead to 2020 with a good friend, Brad Woodhouse. He comes up next here on the Bill Press Show. A little bit later, Eugene Scott from The Washington Post joins us as a friend of Bill for our second hour together. And then uh, Elena Plot from The Atlantic, just took over as a new White House correspondent for The Atlantic, uh, all the latest in Trump world from Elena Plot as well. So lots to cover here this Friday. Hang on. 
We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Brad Woodhouse. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, hey, on a Friday, December 7, here we go, the Bill Press Show, live from our nation's capital. And our little perch right here on Capitol Hill, uh, our studio just down the street from the United States Capitol Building, where we're brought to you today by the good men and women of the American Federation of Government Employees. Our federal employees at the AFGE, under the leadership of President J. David Cox, keep the federal agencies running day in and day out doing an excellent job. We depend on them. They never let us down. Check out their website at afge.org. Org and uh, look who popped in here. Hey, hey, uh, hey, good morning. Campaign director from Protect, Protect, not Protect project. Our Care. Protect our, <laughs> this says Project. Project I Our guess. Care. Well, we can do that too. You know? <laughs> Protect Our Care. Uh, Brad Woodhouse. Hey, good Brad. morning. How are you? It's good to see you. Oh. Lots to talk about. We got to find out what's happening with yeah. Obamacare with this enrollment Absolutely. period, which a lot of people are keeping a big secret, by the way. Oh. Well, yeah, the administration right. is for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but first, uh, checking with Peter here on. Uh, uh, you, you know, we've been at it here, stirring things up a little bit or before you arrived. Yes, Every morning. Yeah, always, always. We're on Twitter at BP Show, at BP Show. <laughs> lots of different comments on lots of different topics. John Davis says, as far as tariffs, Trump is just plain stupid. That's really all there is. <laughs> Some right. grand plan or anything right. else. He's just, he's just dumb about it. Right. Uh, <laughs> KG says uh, Republican election fraud has been going on for decades. It's only just now being exposed. And also about the Trump uh, worker that you talked about, mm-hmm. uh, Joey says, Mr. Trump's real Americans uh, hire Americans. Why don't you hire American workers? Because you're a fraud on all of the things that you are involved in. We also yesterday uh, put up a... Can I just add, you know, sure. we didn't mention this, but in addition to these undocumented workers that he has working for him at Bedminster, uh, in Mar-a-Lago, we know that he imports under this was HB1 or yeah. H21 or something, yeah. uh, a, a clerk in the, in the immigration law. Right. These are people who come in from other countries. Right. They're here under that program legally, but right. they're not Americans, and right. they're taking jobs right. at Mar-a-Lago that Americans aren't Americans could have, right. right. I mean, so he, he, he's the biggest two hippo. ways that he's proven such he's, a hypocrite. He's such a hypocrite. Uh, That's too kind of word. <laughs> uh, yesterday, we put up a poll uh, that you could vote on if you're following us on Twitter, at BP Show. Uh, should elected officials take office immediately in order to abolish the lame duck session? This is a conversation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that we were having on yesterday's show. Uh, you could vote yes or no. I will just say right now, the yes votes <laughs> greatly outnumber the no votes. But here's a great comment. Yeah, lame uh, ducks cause a lot of problems. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, give he- people a lot of opportunities, as we've seen in Wisconsin. Yeah. Yep. Here, here's a comment from Richard Adloff on that topic. He says, if Americans were sane, the answer would be no. Folks need a little more time to gear up and transfer work from the old office to the new one. Unfortunately, we're not sane. Republicans are thugs <laughs> that use the machinery of governance to dismantle the yeah, governance. Right, right, right. Uh, which I think just about sums it up. Again, if you have a comment on any topic at any time, just go find us on Twitter. Where we're there for you at BP Show, at BP Show. All right. Thank you, Peter. So, Brad, I want to talk about uh, Obamacare. But first, I've yeah. got to ask you, uh, Brad Woodhouse, what is it like to wake up this morning, or well, first of all, last night, to turn on the news 
and see your baby brother on CBS, your baby oh. brother on I, NBC. And wait a minute, his picture in the New York Times no, this morning it's not. on it, A18. No, it's not. There is really? he is. There's your baby brother, Dallas Woodhouse, for the, in North for Carolina. For the record, you're the better looking brother. Well, well, look, I, I, I got to tell you, right. I, I have look. This is all I about always, North Carolina. Here. I always right. start. I always start yeah. any of these questions by saying I love my brother. He's a he's a good man and a good good father. But I I have. I have had to restrain myself in this North Carolina nine. I mean, he, you know, he uh, even even some of his recent comments where he's now saying, "Well, you know, if there is fraud, we should have a, a new election. Know, should we, we should yeah. have a new election." Right. I mean, just a few days ago, he was saying, "Certify Harris, send him to Congress, then do the investigation." I mean, that's the equivalent of telling the kidnapper to keep the child. I mean, it was it was outrageous, and it it it, it angered me so much because. You know, Dallas was, you know, going to the public and doing videos before the election saying, watch out, Democrats are going to commit voter fraud or watch out, Democrats are going to commit election fraud. And by God, it's them that did it. And then and then he tried to sweep it under the rug, rush to it, rush to a judgment. And the truth of the matter is, is that for all the credit that Dallas might be getting right now by saying, well, if you know if the board of elections can prove that, that there was fraud that may have impacted the election, then they should have a new, have a new election. If not for the media, that these people like my brother and Donald Trump mm-hmm. criticize all the time, that went out and found interview after interview after interview of people who participated. I mean, the the news stations in Charlotte have people on camera admitting to felonies. They're admitting to felonies. Yeah. They right. didn't know that, the, the, you know, they'll say and, and, and their defense will be that they didn't know they they had a job. They were being sent out by the campaign. They say, oh, you'll take this in for us. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, of yeah, you. Yeah. Here's my ballot. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Your, yeah. You know what? We'll fill the rest of it out. Right. We'll take care of it. Well, I haven't filled it out yet. We'll take care of it for you. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's just it's it's out. It's outrageous. And I love my brother. But if he could get away with it. And get Harris in, <laughs> he'd do it. He'd do it. You know what? So let's let's be sure everybody understands. He, your brother, is the executive director of the North Carolina Republican Party. Right, right. right. So he's got an official title, here, right, right. Official responsibility. And look, now, I, I don't. I'm not saying that Dallas was involved oh, uh, in this or the Republican Party was involved right. in this. Yeah, but, but they but they had an inkling. Right. They had an inkling, and then they still to tried that. to rush. The, okay, so go ahead. this guy, this guy, McCray Dallas, who's the consultant who was hired. Funny how his last name and my brother's first name. I well, anyway, you know, Dallas, that's a whole other story. Dallas, Dallas, Dallas. Yeah, uh, but anyhow, uh, so he. He he's got a reputation. First of all, he was accused of voter fraud in 2016, right? And right. before, and he's right. an ex felon. He was suspected of this before, and right. and I, what I can't get to the bottom of, Bill, is what happened with that. That was referred uh, to the State happened. Bureau of Investigation. Why? Yeah. W- w- you know right. what happened? That apparently they didn't, and they're still in business right. despite that. He's right. still in the business, and Mark Harris hires him in the primary, in the primary against right. Robert Pittenger, the yep. incumbent uh, Republican. Harris says he's not conservative enough, right? You've right. got to have a Trumper like me. Right. And after, and when that primary was over, Pittenger told people, I think it, there was ballot stuffing right. going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Th- they had an inkling then. Yeah. What did the Republican Party in North Carolina do at that time? Swept it under the rug, and I'll tell you why. They did because McCready, our candidate down there, the Democratic candidate down there, had $1.8 million in the bank. And Harris came out of the election— uh, with, with only a couple hundred thousand dollars, and of course Pittenger, 
um, came out of the election with virtually no money. He'd spent all his money yeah, yeah. in the you know in in the primary, and they were they wanted to move on to the uh, they wanted to move on to the general election. So they're like they're like telling Robert Pittenger, "Suck it up, do it for the good, do it for the good of the party." But this election fraud was committed against him. Yeah, committed against him, and then Harris hires the same dude. Yeah. To do the same thing yeah. in the general election. I saw one county today, the absentees that he turned in, he, Dallas, turned in yeah. uh, from a relatively Democratic section of this county. And it came in 96% for the Republican. Right. Yeah. I mean, my God, if you're going to do this, Bill. <laughs> I mean, how you? I mean, you make it so obvious. I mean, you know, people that dig through this yeah. and and looked at the numbers, and this is why the state board of election didn't certify the race. They're like, well, wait a minute. There's no way that there were this many unreturned ballots of of people who had taken them out, and then there's no way there's this disparity in the number that were uh, voted on uh, for Harris versus McCready. I mean, it just it, it it's against every. Uh, previous experiences against all logic, and so there's going to be a new election there. And I, and the, I was going to say, isn't that? Don't I, you have to have? They it? have to have a new election. What I think is, <laughs> and and I, I hope that this is. I heard Nancy Pelosi say that yeah. this is in the North Carolina Board of Elections uh, purview to do is to start at the very beginning. I mean, you know, yeah. Harris yeah. is a cheat, right? Harris right. is a cheat, and I, you know, I, I, I and and you know. The thing that people say is, well, maybe this guy did this without Harris's knowledge. Are you kidding me? People don't do things no, for no. candidates that they work for, particularly if they're putting themselves in legal jeopardy, without letting the candidate know. Of course. You and, know? And the whole point's wait. to curry favor with the candidate. And clearly he was happy with his job because right. he did such a good job in the primary. He said, hey, yeah. let's do some more in the general. One of these people interviewed said said that, that Harris told them, said, you got to work with this guy on this absentee ballot program. He has a method. Oh. His a method. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his method was his, stealing, destroying, stuffing. His ballot. His method is ballot harvest. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Which is ele- illegal ballot harvesting. Illegal. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. Well, so, in North Carolina, the minute these workers put their hands on the ballots, they had committed a crime. And then you know, but then with clearly what they did in ballot stuffing, ballot destruction, um, it's election fraud. Right. Plain, plain and simple. And it, and 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 one thing my brother was fact checked on. He said there's not enough. <laughs> Not enough votes at stake to flip the election. I mean, th- oh. there, there, there's potentially thousands of votes sure. at stake, and that's what's being investigated right now. Right. Uh, and I was glad to see uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi, speaker-to-be, and uh, Sherry Bustos, the new head of the DCCC. Oh, yeah. Both of them saying they're not going to seat this guy. Right, right. You know. Well, there's no, there's, no, there's no reason to. I mean, the, 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 yeah. the, 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 the House of Representatives gets to decide who gets to serve in the House of Representatives, and— uh, th- th- this person should never should never be seated. Okay, so I do have to ask you this question. I'm looking at this picture of your brother. He doesn't have any gray hair at all. So, well, is he th- your baby brother here? Is he, 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 he he is my younger brother, but the oh, fact okay. that he has no gray hair is up for speculation. <laughs> <All right. laughs> you and I could have no gray hair if we wanted That's to. True, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lady right down the street. Yeah, exactly. Right. There we are now. If that goes to, by the way, Dan McCready, let's also add, is a damn good candidate. Oh, my God. A veteran. Yeah, a veteran. Oh, yeah. Guy, really yeah, and really he, he came out thing. yesterday and he withdrew yeah. his concession and he he accused his candidate of being involved in a criminal uh, criminal activity, his, right. his opposing candidate, yeah. Harris. So if that goes uh, for a Democratic way, that's going to be, that would be, I think, 41 if, seats. If, if, if we have an election, right. a special and, election, and which McCready I, wins, it'll be a 41, yeah. pickup of 41. 41. 
Unbelievable. The most Democrats have picked up since Watergate. Yeah. And I mean, and Republicans, uh, there'd be a Republican operative sitting next to me and say, well, it's not much of a wave. I know. I know. It's unbelievable. Right. It's unbelievable. Uh, uh, we haven't had a chance to talk since the since the midterms. And um, I, I think because you know, we didn't we, we didn't make it with a couple of our rock stars like Stacey Abrams, great candidates, Stacey Abrams or Andrew Gillum or Beto or Rourke, people thought, oh, man, we didn't have a good night. We had a damn good night. Yeah, we had, we had a damn good night. And and the, the thing that's frustrating is is that instead of reporting the news on election night, all of the, uh, you know, all of the networks and cable stations just have a bunch of people up there kibitzing and giving a quote unquote analysis. And so when they see Beto go and Stacey go and Andrew yeah, Gillum yeah. go and they see, you know, like the, the Senate race in Indiana was called against Donnelly very early. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, well, this is not a wave. This is yeah, not a great right. night. Yeah. Republicans are holding their own. Bill, the, the, let me talk about. It. So we, we, there's no no question. It was a wave in the House, a a tidal wave. I mean, forty and potentially forty, uh, forty one seats. And, and by the way, the fact that we took the majority back is enough of a wave for me. Oh yeah, I mean that even that, that should two even if it was two or three right. seats. Yeah, yeah. The, who was oh, the speaker's <laughs> gavel won the damn election, Bill? Right, but right. then in the Senate. After the you know after Trump was elected and and won in Michigan and Ohio and Wisconsin and and Pennsylvania and and Republicans looked at the map and they said oh my gosh we're going to get to sixty we'll take out yeah. Senator Casey oh, yeah. in Pennsylvania oh, yeah. and Sherrod Brown yeah. in Ohio and right. and and Stabenow in Michigan and Baldwin in in Wisconsin they didn't come close yeah. they yeah. got they got stomped in all of those races and when all the dust settled you include. The Doug Jones win for us in Alabama with that map, where they should have picked up tons of seats, um, they netted one. Mm-hmm. Over mm-hmm. the course of this cycle, we lost four Democrats. They yeah. lost three Republicans. They netted a one with with Democrats facing the worst map in my memory. I, I can't go back twenty years. It, you know, we were running in places that Trump had won by plus twenty points. Right. And, you have and they netted one. They netted you one. You have to add to that seven governors. Yeah. Seven legislative right. chambers. Right. And 375, by my last count, right. state legislative seats. Right. And in the process of uh, of holding their numbers down in the Senate, we picked up two critical states. We knocked off yeah, a senator, uh, Dean Heller, in Nevada, yeah. who was the poster child for efforts to repeal the Affordable Care Act. And we won that seat in Arizona, and that's a state that we have got to be competitive in in the presidential election. Right. Uh, and just the uh, kind of icing on the cake yesterday, uh, officially now it's 40 because California 21 was officially called yesterday for T.J. Cox. Yeah. And that is, look, again, former state chair, Democratic chair of California. Yeah. I know You really well. set that on the right course out I there. did, a long did, time a long ago. time ago. But the Central it's Valley. It's still paying dividends. We always had good candidates in the Central Valley, but yeah. we couldn't get them elected. Yeah. Very few, very yeah. few. That was yeah. great country, particularly Kern County, which is Kevin McCarthy's home county. Yeah. He and this guy, uh, Tony Vallado. Yeah. Uh, Valadeo. Valadeo. Yeah. Um, uh, neighboring districts. Yeah. And Valadeo loses. He yeah. Kevin McCarthy's support. He lost to T.J. Cox. So that means that now— Kevin McCarthy's Cal- pretty lonely in California now. Well, I mean, yeah. There you know. are uh, 40 out of 53 seats. Yeah. 47 are in Democratic hands. Right. No, 46. Sorry. 46. Seven. Right. Seven. Right. And Republican. It's stunning. And and there, there, there's, not a, there's not a Republican representing Orange County anymore. This was their— 
yeah. bastion. Yeah. This was, you know, their their you know, this was their ballast to uh, to L.A. County down in Southern California. And there's no there's no congressional representation from Orange uh, from Orange County. And the stunning thing here is that is that McCarthy is now ascended to the leadership of the House Republicans. And he well, he, that's his reward. He for walked, up so badly. He walked all of those California members off a cliff. He made him vote vote for the health care bill, which is incredibly unpopular everywhere. Made him vote for a tax bill that intentionally and people went on TV saying, "Yeah, this tax bill is going to screw California, and New York." They were proud. Republicans were proud of it. They don't, you know, they're going after the coastal, mm-hmm. you know, the coastal yeah, states right. and the coastal elites, and they were going after, <laughs> um, you know, California and. Uh, and their property tax, and and they and Kevin McCarthy said, "Oh, you got to stick with us. You got to stick with Trump. You got to you got to vote with us." And you know what? All of those people that were in semi-vulnerable seats, or or maybe Valdez was just maybe, yeah. but it was you know that was like the the one that was really going to be tough. And they're all gone now. Thanks, Kevin McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Kevin McCarthy. Yeah, seven seats. Yeah. Orange County, right. John Wayne country, we right? Used to call it right. right. That's As I've absolutely said so right. many times on this show. We always said we're going behind the Iron Curtain, yeah. or- behind the Orange Curtain, Orange Curtain. We to, That's uh, right uh, to Orange County. And That's right. And all seven of them now yeah. Democratic yeah. districts. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. So um, now let's go back to Obamacare yeah. because this is the sign-up period. Yeah. By the way. That's one of the biggest kept secrets, of course, right. on the part of the administration because yeah. they don't want anybody to know because they don't want yeah. people to sign. But I saw this morning that signups are down 11 yeah. percent from last year. Why? Well, first of all, everyone listening needs to know that they have till December 15th to sign up. Go to healthcare.gov, uh, sign up for healthcare. Tell your friends, your family to sign up for healthcare with the subsidies. Do you have to re up every year? You do have to you, you do have um you do have to auto enroll again or you have to enroll again. But um why? Uh, uh, well, um, that that has been that, set up. That, right? That's well that's also been the way the insurance companies have um have tr- have traditionally have oh, traditionally okay. done it. So right. but but in any event, you, you go go sign yeah. up with the subsidy. The <laughs> the average monthly premium is about $76. Um, uh, you know, across uh, across the country. So, uh, I mean, healthcare is uh, healthcare is affordable uh, through uh, through the Affordable Care Act. But 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 look, it's no secret what what's going on here. Um, uh, Donald Trump tried to repeal the Affordable Care Act. Republicans tried to repeal the Affordable Care Act. That didn't succeed. Now they're trying to sabotage it. They want to kill it. Uh, they don't want it helping people. Every policy coming out of that department of HHS or Medicare CMS. Uh, Medicare, Medicaid is designed to lower the number of people getting coverage and make it harder. Put these work requirements in place. Twelve thousand five hundred people have lost health care in uh, Arkansas because of this quote unquote work requirement, which is just a paperwork requirement. But on uh, on open enrollment, they've slashed the advertising budget by 90 percent. Uh, they've cut the uh, enrollment period uh, in half, it used to be twelve weeks, and the last two enrollment periods have been uh, have been six weeks. And it's occurring during all, it was occurring during the election and all of this other uh, stuff that's going on in the news. So it's been very very hard to break through. But the central reason that we're not breaking through is ninety percent of the advertising budget went away. Yeah, sure. advertising is the key to sure, getting people. Sure. To have recognition, plus they cut the outreach budget. They're not funding navigators that, uh, to the extent that they were. They're not giving grants to local communities to enroll people. They want Obamacare to die. They couldn't kill it legislatively now, but they're they're continuing to try to kill it administratively. And Bill, this is after they got thumped 
in the midterms well, on the issue of health care. Right, right. They don't right. ever learn. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they never that learn. was the issue, particularly in the House races. It was. Uh, uh, up and down. It right? was. And uh, and yet they come out of it and still trying to kill the program. Well, I mean, look, re- re- Republicans, <laughs> there's one thing that's clear <laughs> after this election. Republicans don't give a crap about the voters. They could care less. Voters said, stop monkeying with Obamacare. Stop uh, stop cutting open enrollment. Stop stop attacking pre-existing conditions. Republicans are continuing to do that. It, you know, Tony Evers ran uh, in Wisconsin on pulling Wisconsin out of the, of the lawsuit that is uh, that could threaten people's protections for pe- people with pre-existing conditions. That, that, that was one of the issues he ran on and, the won Repu- on and won on. And the Republican legislature in Wisconsin is enacting a law saying that the newly and duly elected Democratic attorney general in Wisconsin cannot pull Wisconsin out of that case. They Republicans don't care what the voters say. They don't care what the voters think. Right. They only care about their own power. By the way, so that that issue, I was going to ask you about that. That that is ongoing. Oh, right? yeah. It's, yeah. Well, the, the, the one of the biggest Donald Trump keeps <clears throat> saying. We're going to protect our party is a party that's he's going to a, protect. He's protect, a liar. Protect. He is a liar. Everything they've done, they, as you know, uh, they they put in a they instituted these junk plans uh, or what they yep. what they call short term plans, uh, where uh, these plans that don't uh, cover pre existing conditions, they don't cover uh, people's illnesses. I mean, people go out and they, they, they say, wow, I can buy insurance. It's really cheap. Oh, great. I'll buy this. And then they show up at the doctor. They show up at the emergency room. They show up at the hospital. And guess they what? Want, and guess what? It's Ain't not covered. covered. It's not covered. Or they cover some things, but find out, well, but you, you had that condition before this policy under the short-term policies. We don't have to cover it. While the, the ACA says the insurance companies have to cover, but that in, this is in court, by the way, and who knows where this will end up. I mean, the fact that they're just un- undermining the law administratively that was passed by Congress is going to be a subject of a lot of litigation. Right. Uh, and at least now we will have the House to hold yeah. off any efforts to. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to see 45 votes to repeal. No, 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 no. I mean, that, that that's the that's the great policy. thing is, is, is that in that respect, mm-hmm. we've we, the greater we have protected people's care because uh, they're not going to be able to repeal uh, repeal the law. But, you know, the House uh, Democrats need to have a very aggressive health care agenda. The issue of health care didn't go away because we won uh, we won the House. We need to we need to pass bills to unwind all this sabotage to require that they do open enrollment next year in the right way to get rid of uh, junk uh, junk insurance plans that undermine people's uh, health care and, and, and undermine people with uh, with pre-existing conditions. They need to have a really aggressive, um, and, and I would say, for, at least for the foreseeable future, a lot of the health care agenda in the House needs to be about confronting what Trump and his administration are doing to, uh, to harm health care before we get on to other, other bigger issues. Now, one of those that we need to start tackling right away, because it will take a long time uh, to get a bill is prescription drugs. Yeah, right. American eighty-five percent of the yeah, American everybody people talks want it. about it, but there's not been any legislation right. on has right. it, has there introduced? Well, it? I mean, you know, I think some individual members have, but there was yeah. nothing going to yeah. nothing was going to move with Republicans in charge, and and you know, people think there's some hope that that maybe Democrats could convince uh, in the House could convince Trump and um, and the Republicans in the Senate to go along with some with something to reduce the cost of drugs.
Uh, but I we'll just, see. Uh, it remains just, to be seen. I, I just noticed here um, CNN, uh, a little, little flash, that White House Chief of Staff John Kelly is expected to resign soon. He and Trump have stopped speaking yeah. in recent days. That's not a surprise. I don't think I don't think that's a surprise. I guess I've been actually a little more surprised that there hasn't been more changes um, in, uh, in in his administration after the you know after the midterms. I mean, I, you would think yeah. that his instinct yeah. would be to to well, blame the midterms on a bunch of yeah, people yeah. and just start. Well, you we know, all thought change. there was going to be a massive uh, you know exodus or yeah. firing. Right, and after so it started with Jeff Sessions, and we thought, okay, here yeah, we go. Yeah, yeah. But then he sort of backed off. He, yeah, Kristen Nielsen's still there. John Kelly's still there. Maybe yeah. not for long. It's saying right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Brad, man, we covered a lot of Are territory, and we're done. Oh my God, can't believe it. <laughs> ne- All right, yeah. Okay, this is great. Thank you, man. Thank you. Keep up the good work. Call up your brother. Tell him we love his hair coloring. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is the Bill Press Show. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. It is time for a do-over in North North Carolina's number nine, no doubt about it. Massive election fraud, start from scratch and have a whole new election down there. What do you say, everybody, on a Friday, December 7? How about it? Great to see you today, and thank you for joining us. You know, you want to know what's going on? You came to the right place. We'll tell you what's happening here in Washington, D.C., around the country and around the globe uh, as we join you online, on television, and on the radio, coast to coast, with lots and lots to talk about here. Um, And uh, we have a feeling uh, that uh, this news day is just beginning because Paul Manafort is going to be the subject of a new court filing by special counsel Robert Mueller. Uh, a little bit later today, and uh, just a little bit of news from CNN that John Kelly may be on his way out. Oh boy, it's a good thing we got a good friend like Eugene Scott here from the Washington Post, because he knows everything that's going on in Washington. As as much as it is unfolding <laughs> in in real time, but I'm so glad to be here. It's been too long. I know it's good to see you, but you got to run fast to keep up with this stuff. Don't oh you? yeah, yeah. oh Even, yeah. And like as you were walking in, the John Kelly stuff. Is absolutely, happening. absolutely. It's surprising, but not surprising. Yeah. Right. So from the uh, reports we're seeing so far from CNN, uh, John Kelly and Trump haven't been speaking for days. You know, they're at a crossroads <laughs> and have realized that um, the differences that they have just cannot be worked through. Right. Um, so I don't hold, think. Hold that point. We'll get into more of so that. Much. Okay? I so know. Much. I know. It's just scratching the surface here. Yeah. Uh, we'll be here with Eugene Scott. Elena Plot, who is the new White House reporter for The Atlantic, 
uh, will be joining us uh, about a half an hour from now. But first, we'll give it to Peter for the big headlines. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other big stories making news here on a Friday. Okay, Bill, you probably remember. I remember. It used to be you'd buy a plane ticket, you'd pay the price for the plane ticket, and that covered taking your seat, taking your bag, everything else, right? That was just the price you paid. Oh, but of course now, oh, for the good old days. <laughs> those days are long gone. Just about every airline has what they call <laughs> ancillary revenue. And this means that if you want to choose your seat, you have to pay. If you want to check a bag, you have to pay. If you want to check a carry-on bag, you have to pay. All different not, uh, yeah. All different airlines have different rules, different but rules. they all not, have something right. that you can... I would say except for ancillary. Southwest. Well, they have things too that you can't. Like, you can pay. Like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. They do. You can if pay you to be, get like an early. Yeah. Uh, you want an early thing or a better yeah. seat? Right. So like they all, the Southwest does better than other airlines, yeah. but, but you don't but they have, they have to all pay to check a bag. They all have them. Right. Well, here's the thing. As of now, today, airlines report that 50 percent of their income, 50 percent of their income, come from those. <laughs> ancillary fees no it's not just the price of an airline ticket anymore they rely on those fees as much as they do for the cost of a ticket is that crazy it is crazy i mean it was 10 years ago 15 years ago you just bought a plane ticket yeah but it well it's a long conversation yeah it might be better than just raising the fares for everybody yeah because you can get your Seat you can in, maneuver it. You can get your seat in the economy in the back that you don't have to pay for yeah. and and not have to pay higher fare. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, right as the show was ending, the Golden Globe nominations were announced. Yeah. Uh, leading the way for the movies is Vice, the Adam McKay-directed film starring Christian Bale as Dick Cheney. It looks amazing. I I'm know. I haven't seen it see yet. It. Uh, it led all films with six nominations. It was followed closely by The Favorite, A Star is Born, and Green Book, which was uh, each received five nominations apiece. So good. I saw Green Book uh, last weekend. Eugene, I don't know if you've seen Green Book, but it is a phenomenal movie. Really great. You enjoyed yeah. it? Loved it. Loved it. Yeah, I, I have not seen it. Uh, my mentee actually had the privilege of... Uh, playing piano at the Washington debut of it. Uh, oh, wow. It's really awesome. Like, it, it was really great. He oh. spoke very highly of it. Yeah. This is the Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed. Nobody is allowed to hire undocumented workers in this country. Except me. <laughs> That's what Donald Trump is saying this morning with the big news out of Bedminster, New Jersey. Oops. Oops. What? You mean another example of a Trump hypocrisy? Hello, everybody. What do you say on a Friday, December 7th? So good to see you today. Welcome, welcome to the program as we come to you live from our nation's capital and join you in every little nook and cranny, every corner of this great country of ours. We're there with you online, on the radio and on television. Thanks so much for uh, being with us. Uh, join me in saying hello to our good friend from Washington Post, um, reporter for the political reporter for The Fix, 
Eugene Scott, the one and only Eugene. Again, great to see you. Thanks for having me. So as we look there, CNN uh, leading the news this morning with their report that uh, they just said uh, breaking news that uh, Chief of Staff John Kelly expected to resign Mm -hmm. soon. The president's going off to Kansas City today. Uh, Unlikely that John Kelly will be on the Air Force One with him. Maybe he'll be cleaning out his desk at the Mm -hmm. same time. If something like that comes out and they say they've got several sources, Mm -hmm. uh, it's been rumored for a long time. It's not going to linger much longer, would you say? It has been rumored for a long time, and that's why I think Quite a few viewers, when they see the headline expected to may roll their eyes or at least aren't holding their breath. But it appears, to your point earlier, uh, that the two have not been in communication for a while. Um, And so it would be a surprise if John Kelly actually does go with the president to Kansas City um, today. But the reality has been that they've just had a really difficult time getting on the same page uh, about the direction of the country, the policy agenda of this White House and just how to figure out how to find solutions to their differences. Uh, it is, he, let's say he's, this is true and he's gone, he's, he's gone either today or soon. Mm-hmm. He joins a long list of people who were once very, very close, praised mightily by the president mm-hmm. and then thrown under the bus. I mean, Michael Cohen, mm-hmm. right? Just Absolutely. in April he was saying, Michael Cohen's a great man. He's, sure. he's been my friend. He's my business partner, the whole thing. And, and now he's a liar. He's a weak man. Mm-hmm. You know, John mm-hmm. Kelly at one time, he said, you know, General Kelly, mm-hmm. General Kelly, mm-hmm. that they were like soulmates almost, mm-hmm. talked mm-hmm. about everything, agreed mm-hmm. on everything. Mm-hmm. What happened? Well, I think one of the things that's most interesting about uh, Kelly opposed to Cohen is that Kelly is someone who Trump did not have a relationship with before, not a mm-hmm. meaningful mm-hmm. one at least, whose uh, legacy pre-Trump was pretty solid um, in terms of uh, yeah. even even among his critics, I, I would at least say, um, and who the the watching the Trumpification of John Kelly perhaps um, uh, has has left many Americans perhaps with a very negative view of him, um, and considering that he was brought in supposedly to calm Trump's worst impulses, right. uh, eliminate chaos, um, and and that does bring not appear order bring to the some White order House. to the White House, <laughs> um, and it seems like he perhaps has expanded the disorder um, and left many people really frustrated on both sides of the aisle. Right. Uh, And he also, a couple of times where he stepped over the line, particularly on immigration, remember? Uh, And also um, on the the comments that he made about uh, the Congresswoman Frederica Wilson from Mm -hmm. from Florida. Right. Uh, And and also it's been reported that at some point, maybe a couple of months ago, whatever, he basically gave up, Right. right? That he was... In the middle of the day, he'd be at the gym. He just mm-hmm. wasn't even mm-hmm. trying to mm-hmm. rein Trump in anymore. Well, I think what I saw was that uh, he gave up in part because it really is an impossible task. I mean, absolutely. You know, tr- Trump is going to be Trump. Corey Lewandowski told us to let Trump be Trump. Any of those waiting for a pivot uh, should not be holding their breath at this point. Um, and Trump became who he is in part because the people who supported him wanted him to be Trump. Uh, His approval ratings remain high amongst his loyalists. Um, He is not at all interested in doing what most presidents do when they get in the White House, which is trying to win over the people that they lost. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think he feels like, look, I did things my way and I won. I'm not really interested in doing things the John Kelly way. Uh, Peter, um, of course, you've got your phone. I've got mine. I just I'll be curious if we see any tweet from Donald Trump 
about Kelly. I just looked, actually. Yeah. He has not tweeted yet about John Kelly. He's tweeted about Robert Mueller and other stuff this morning. But Yeah, he's been no tweeting like mad starting even before our show yeah, began this executive morning. He was off to an is, early start. Yeah. Executive time is really something this morning. But the reason I, I thought of that is because of his tweet. The last time there were rumors about John Kelly leaving, the president said he's agreed to stay until 2020. Yeah, I mean, we've heard that we've heard that quite a few times, which, yeah, yeah. which is why so many people in the media and and American citizens do not always believe people when they say I'm supporting this president and I'll be here, mm-hmm. you know, forever. I was reading reports yesterday about Nikki Haley's going to stay in New York. She's going to write a book. Um, and, you know, we everyone was like she is definitely pro Trump 2020. Um, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Just like with John Kelly. We will see. Uh, speaking of Nikki Haley, uh, her successor, uh, now we know, is going to be uh, Heather Nauert, mm-hmm. who is the spokesperson for the State Department, mm-hmm. uh, briefings at the State Department, and before that was a co-host of Fox right. and Friends. Yeah. So the employee, the employer, employee, potential employee pool for Donald Trump mm-hmm. really is... Fox News, oh, it, it, cable it, television certainly, but Fox News particularly. It certainly appears to be that if you that, that Fox News is the internship equivalent to getting into the White House, yeah. Um, especially in the communications department, and you know when you leave as well. I mean, we saw with Hope Hicks, Hope Hicks and Bill Shine pretty much just flopped jobs. It appears. I had a conversation with Bill Shine the other night at our holiday party, and uh, there he is, right from Fox News to the Trump White House, right? Yeah. Uh, Matt Whitaker, Attorney General. Right from cable television to Attorney General of the United States. Heather Nauert, zero government experience other than a few briefings at the State Department Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, because they don't happen all that often. And zero foreign policy experience will now be our ambassador to the United Nations. Yeah, and she posted fought- at least Stevenson once held, Madeleine Albright yeah. once held, Susan yeah. Rice once held. Yeah, I mean foreign policy. Mm-hmm. You know, experts, wonks. Right. I mean, yeah, now we got Heather Nauert. Well, she follows in the tradition of Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump and people who have no meaningful experience in the areas in which they are now this country's top individuals. Uh, for and it'll be interesting in seeing, quite frankly, after the Trump White House, whenever this administration ends, uh, what goes involved, what goes into cleaning up um, much of the global mess that has perhaps been made um, from from this White House, according to its critics. Right. In terms of the the mess of the White House, I was re- reminded of that this morning. So, and uh, you mentioned Jared Kushner, mm-hmm. one of the many <laughs> uh, problems that Jared Kushner was supposed to resolve and was put in charge of, mm-hmm. not just peace in the Middle East, mm-hmm. right, but also, uh, and not just government reform of the reform of the entire federal government, but also reform of the criminal justice system, right. which is badly needed. Absolutely. Particularly our re- sentencing system, there are too many particularly young black men mm-hmm. in prison mm-hmm. for nonviolent crimes, mm-hmm. drug crimes, for these long mandatory sentences, right. which is crazy. And we've seen people on both sides of the aisle speak out against that. Exactly. Yeah. And now we have a case where Kushner has got the president of the United States in mm-hmm. support of this legislation. Mm-hmm. It's bipartisan legislation mm-hmm. in the United States Senate. Mm-hmm. And Mitch McConnell says we're too busy to even vote on it. Now, when you control the House mm-hmm. and the Senate and the White House mm-hmm. and the president and leaders of both parties are supporting legislation, and Mitch McConnell says, no, I don't like it. We're not going to have a vote on it. Right. I mean, what does that say about mm-hmm. 
control, right? Or Yeah, Mercado is really communicating uh, to many people in America, not just on the left, people who would like to see uh, we revisit how we treat Americans who've been incarcerated, but people on his own aisle, on his own side, in his own state. I covered Rand Paul during the 2016 election, who's been very vocal about this the This is need. a big issue for yeah, Rand Paul. for criminal yeah. justice reform. And it's a big issue for Rand Paul <laughs> in part because it's a big issue for many people in Kentucky. Uh, there are black people and white working class people who have seen their lives, their families, and their communities devastated because of harsh sentencing um, and had a very difficult time rehabilitating themselves integrating back into society, getting a job, finding places to live, getting educated, um, and living the rest of their lives and aspiring on to all of the dreams and ideals that America believes it upholds. Um, and so it's it's been really fascinating to see McConnell respond in that way. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see what impact it has on his legacy long term uh, from people on both sides of the aisle. I think what this week should uh, teach many of us is that when your time here on Earth is over, and you come from a po- political background, people will talk about every single thing you did right and every single thing you did wrong. And these are individuals who are now in the position to minimize the wrongs that they do so that they can have as glowing of an obituary and a recollection of their time in office as possible. It does, But it does make you wonder who's in charge around here. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and it, it varies depending on the uh, actual issue, obviously. But I mean, right now that what that communicated, I think, um, to to the White House and to people perhaps looking at Trump to be a leader in this area, despite his past history with, you know, calling, you know, for the death penalty for black and Latino teenagers who, quite frankly, yeah. have not been convicted of anything, um, is that they can't look to Trump to be a leader in criminal justice reform if Mitch McConnell ultimately is going to have the last say. Yeah. No, they had this big, a couple of weeks ago, this big ceremony down at the White House. You, they you, did. You, we mm-hmm. all talked about mm-hmm. it. And, and the president there saying, I support this legislation. He had the co-authors there, Jared Kushner there. And it was like a done deal. And I'm yeah. thinking, no, it's not a done deal because right. they got to get the bill passed. Right. Right. And, and I remember- McConnell basically says- what, what else are they doing? They're doing nothing. I was going to say, busy with what? Busy, yeah. Busy with what? I remember talking to quite a few Democratic senators after that you know, moment, which came in part, I believe, after the Republicans' defeat uh, in the midterm elections. And Trump had a few de- uh, days where he really was advocating for uh, bipartisanship and perhaps saying they were going to work together more. Um, with the new Congress. Um, and quite a few Democratic senators were like, you know, we this is a good step. We uh, want to see a little more happen. We have some questions about this. But it seems like regardless, it's not even going anywhere um, as of right now until McConnell has a change of heart. Eugene Scott with us from the Washington Post, WashingtonPost.com. I know we're jumping around because but there's just a lot of stories, <laughs> uh, a lot of stuff out there. And, uh, and some of the stuff we haven't had a chance to talk about this morning. Um, one thing, and I did a column uh, 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 on the George H.W. Bush service this week and mm-hmm. how it wasn't about, it was about President Bush, not about President Trump, mm-hmm. but in effect, absolutely, it was about President absolutely. Trump as well, right? I mean, yeah. almost every statement reflected back on uh, the comparison absolutely. between, um, if you will, George, so many character, character traits of George H.W. Bush which do not exist at all in Donald mm-hmm. Trump. John Meacham mm-hmm. saying Bush's life creed was, tell the truth, don't yeah. blame anybody. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think one of the things that was most interesting about uh, recalling Bush's legacy, regardless of if you're supportive of him or not, what does appear to be obvious is that he had a lifelong commitment to public service. 
uh, George H.W. Bush had at least four, maybe five different positions that in a normal life would be the peak of someone's p- public service. I mean, from his involvement with the CIA, uh, his ambassadorship, Senate, um, race, uh, White House, um, vice president. I mean, like he had yeah. all of these peaks um, that he uh, could not have could have chosen not to have had he chosen a life outside of public service. And, um, you know, with all due respect to our current president, he he does not have a track record of public service. Even his attempts, his foundation work have been uh, revealed not to be service oriented or philanthropic yeah. as 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 communicated. Right. Um, and what, one thing I thought that was very interesting to your point in terms of the contrast between uh, Trump and Bush, which no one was directly uh, communicating, is the number of journalists who wrote obits who got hate mail from Trump supporters saying you're trying to come you're trying to speak (laughs) ill of Trump Karen Tamalti of the Washington Post got tweeted some of the hate mail she didn't even mention Trump in her obit they're like oh you're just making jabs at Trump it's the 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 amount of that's that's because the comparisons were so so obvious obvious. so obvious yeah now but the the one the, the one risk was that we ended up you know painting George H.W. Bush as a saint, which he was not. Yeah. I mean, look, I Clarence didn't. Thomas, George Bush, yeah. right? Willie Horton. Yeah, you no, I, that. Yeah, no. George I, Bush. We, yeah. we have to remember those, that, that side. The AIDS crisis, yeah. it went on for years before George Bush, like Ronald Reagan, yeah. refused to recognize it and provide any federal help. So it, you got to put that in context, but particularly on the Willie Horton thing, which you wrote about. No, it, yeah. it's, it's true, Bill. It's important to, when remembering people in the policymaking space, to examine the implications of their policymaking. Um, and one thing that we know, which we should have always known, is that the decisions you make when you are in office have implications for years, if not decades. Um, I, I spent, you know, the last week or so learning way more about George H.W. Bush and his approach to politics uh, than I knew prior to his death. And one of the things that was most fascinating to me is seeing that he was very involved um, in stoking the cultural anxieties of uh, white Americans, working class Americans, affluent white Americans that we see that we've seen President Trump like lean into uh, more aggressively. Um, Mm -hmm. Bush launched his presidential campaign in Mississippi. This is not a state that he had a direct tie to. But in that moment, he's communicating like Ronald Reagan. Yeah. Philadelphia, Mississippi. He's communicating. I mean, and and, and for those not familiar with uh, the history of racism and hate crimes in Philadelphia, Mississippi, um, uh, directed at those who were trying to grant uh, black Americans not just civil rights, but voting rights in particular. um, That was that was definitely a dog whistle or or a bullhorn, some might say. Um, the criminal justice uh, mass incarceration complex that are that's mm-hmm. too prevalent in our country right now. We saw with um, with the Willie Horton ad, the stoking of that. Um, we we've seen uh, just the president's uh, pushback on the Civil Rights Act of 1964, saying that he was more concerned about the majority of Americans being affected uh, by a minority of Americans receiving more rights. Um, and so this this was not an individual who um, had the most stellar. A reputation when it came to race relations. Lastly, as you said, uh, replacing Thurgood Marshall, the first black uh, person on the Supreme Court who argued for the desegregation of public schools with Clarence Thomas, who who most people would argue is the most justice, perhaps in the last 30 to 40 years. 
Um, and 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 I think what's very very important that we don't talk about a lot um, is the impact that his administration had on LGBT Americans, right. specifically related to the AIDS epidemic, um, mm-hmm. leading thousands of people to protests, not just outside of the White House, but they went to Kennebunkport. I don't know if I mentioned pronounced that correctly, but his home in Maine <laughs> to to ask for more support, resources, legislation. Um, to uh, help people who were dying of AIDS. And and Bush's initial response um, was a lack of interest because of moral reasons. He he wanted people who were suffering from this uh, illness to uh, just police their behavior. Because, he said it was a behavioral yeah. crisis, not a public health crisis. And that's rooted in his uh, loyalty to the white evangelicals who right. helped get him elected, who... Um, you know, viewed AIDS primarily as this thing that doesn't happen to people who aren't gay. Um, but we saw people like Magic Johnson, who was on his commission for HIV and AIDS, resign because of frustration um, with the lack of response from this administration. And by this time, we began to see um, the illness yeah. affect people who were not <laughs> just gay. Um, celebrities so, like Arthur Ashe and, you know, right. Magic Johnson. So it was important. It was important, I think, on, on your part and others to put that just to remind people. It's just that, helpful. Yeah. No, well, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's speaking truth to power. It is. It is. And I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I feel, I, I was watching the, the Bush granddaughters yesterday in Texas, you know, um, eulogize their mm-hmm. grandfather. And as, as someone who has been there himself, I definitely felt for them. Um, I also felt for, for the Americans who, um, who've lost their grandfathers to criminal justice. Uh, system policies that right. are problematic and and just poor legislation related to health care. Hey, I just uh, want to jump in really quickly. Uh, uh, I just I just saw this tweet I wanted to read. This goes oh, back no. to an earlier conversation. Mm-hmm. No, it's not from Donald Trump. Uh, it's not from uh, Donald uh, Trump. Uh, this goes back to an earlier conversation about John Kelly. Uh, this morning's White House senior staff meeting, uh, which would have been led by Ooh. Chief of Staff John Kelly, hmm. has been canceled. Oh, really? Yes. Hmm. Uh, that's a uh, an ominous sign. It's a little ominous, isn't it? Uh, yeah. So uh, the White House watch down there, I'm sure people are going to be looking to see if he even shows up uh, uh, for work this morning. Uh, I want to ask you also about a uh, – we, we're seeing more and more people jump in on the part of Democratic side. Everybody's the 2020 jumping campaign. in. Now we're starting to see some people drop out. Yeah. Deval Patrick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good man. And yeah. Good governor. And well everybody liked. thought at one time he might be the next Barack Obama. Everybody yeah. was looking for the next Barack right. Obama. But, yeah. Um, and a business background as well mm-hmm. as executive background. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happened? Well, from what we know, um, Deval Patrick, you know, uh, two-time governor of Massachusetts, first black governor, first and only black governor of Massachusetts, um, decided that the, the, the cost to people close to him. Um, of running for president was just too great for him to throw his name uh, in the ring officially. He did not go into details, but those familiar with his political career realized that his wife, Diane, um, just really took being a first lady very difficult. Um, she was hospitalized for depression. Um, just, really? just, yeah. First Lady of Massachusetts. First Lady of Massachusetts. Huh. Um, wow. Uh, just because of, you know, the criticism, the media hounding, um, they, they look at everything, right? They, I remember there being a scandal in Massachusetts about them spending like $12,000 $12, on curtains um, in the governor's mansion um, and him uh, upgrading perhaps some of the, the co- official cars to like Cadillacs um, and just having your integrity questioned. And, you know, it appeared that he just did not want to put the people closest to him um, in that position. And the reality is 2020 is 
going to be incredibly different from um, his uh, gubernatorial races. And those type of things would come up and even more. Um, and it could be very stressful. And it, it was to me just a window into um, some of the challenges that we, we can expect people to face in the next year or so that many of them won't want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a good man dropped out. At the same time, we had Michael Avenatti announce you could run, which I think was good news for everybody. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The idea that he thought anybody took him seriously. It, I think the thing that was a bit unfortunate uh, to me is that it took um, something as extreme as him being accused of domestic being violence, accused of domestic violence yeah. to realize that he was not the person that most Democrats uh, would have backed, you know, Um and what's also interesting, you know, is that the standards that Democrats will have for their candidate will be very different, I think, for the standards that the base has for Trump. Uh, no, Trump has not been accused of domestic violence, but he certainly has been accused of mistreating women um, quite a bit. Uh, and that certainly didn't keep uh, those from supporting him who actually who ultimately did. One thing right. I did want to say about Patrick yeah. that I think was interesting um, that didn't get a lot of attention uh, his, I mean, he's a managing director at Bain Capital, which we know was founded right. by Mitt Romney, now in the Senate. Um, crazy how the world just changes. I know, I know. Uh, but yeah. was, you know, former Massachusetts governor. And um, Romney got quite a bit of heat uh, about, you know, being involved in, you know, <clears throat> private equity. Patrick, from the left, like the progressives were, were not... I don't think handle that lightly. What would have real questions about what his work involved? No doubt. No doubt. Um, and so yeah. I think he could have saved. He saved himself a bit from just those really difficult conversations. I mean, look at the flat that Hillary got for the speeches she yeah. gave to Goldman Sachs. Yeah. And uh, and Cory Booker has that little bit of a problem too. With, yeah. With being a Goldman Sachs. Uh, yeah. Um, and we're going to see alum. that come up quite a bit, I think, uh, in right. 2020. Uh, just on the lighter side. Yeah. Um, Jeopardy last night, uh, sort of a window into where people get their news today, maybe, or what people are watching, what people are reading. Uh, maybe it shows the impact of the social media. I'm not sure what it shows, but so here's the question. The question, Peter, was where do you, well, uh, so the, the the category was blank news, blank, blank news, news, right? So it was all news. different questions about cable news, yeah, uh, right, across the board, and and the. <laughs> Nobody knew nothing is basically what it is. So here he's asking different questions about, uh, okay, what's this show? What's that show? What's that show? Mm -hmm. the, the lack of knowledge to me, I think, is pretty stunning. Mm -hmm. Here he is. Here it is. Blank News 600. It's on CNN from 4 to 6 a.m. Eastern Time. This start. It's called Early Start. <laughs> Get your fill of business in the afternoon. Power this. Tiffany. What is power hour? No. Alexander. What is power half hour? No. What is power lunch? It airs every Sunday morning on ABC. <laughs> this blank. Dave. What is morning? No. Alexander or Tiffany? What is this week? With George Stephanopoulos. <laughs> Isn't it kind of funny? Just <laughs> it, it's hilarious. So my the, the first national TV appearance uh, I made was on Early Start on oh, CNN. Right. So, of course, I got that one correct. Yeah, um, right. But, you know, I, I'm not surprised. I mean, we've seen data that the average age of people consuming CNN, Fox News, um, and MSNBC are people in their late 60s. Um, people are not watching these shows um, as yeah. much as, you know, the networks were like, especially at 4 a.m. Um, and so 
I I wasn't surprised by that. It was it was it was humbling though. <laughs> I think it's a good reminder of the bubble that we live in. It so is. We do live Absolutely. in a bubble. It yeah. so is. Yeah. And and right. and and the importance of remembering that bubble. Sometimes you know we're just talking, and I easily forget. I just think I'm talking to you, Bill, and I'm just naming out names, and we're just assuming that people know who these people are. And it's not wrong that they don't, but they have lives and families and <laughs> and are engaged in other things, and so yeah. we just can't assume that people are as consumed as we are. But but it does show again that m- most people, particularly younger people mm-hmm. today, and, and, and younger from maybe fifty on down, right, mm-hmm, or fifty five mm-hmm. on down, are not tuned into that little screen. Right? No, no, they're no. tuned into this, or they're tuned into their computer, or and they're I certainly know. not reading. I'm sorry, with all due respect. Yeah, newspapers. Oh, I mean, so it's two things. One, I know so many people who don't even own a TV. Because they just have things like Netflix and Hulu. And I don't mean own a TV. I mean don't have cable. Got it. Yeah, um, yeah, yes, they have yeah, TV. Right. So, so that's not surprising as well. And, I, and, and most people that we know who read the New York Times every day, the Washington Post every day, um, Wall Street Journal every day, read it on their phones, not the, not the hard copy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have to tell you, I, I can't tell you how old and antiquated I feel that every day – when I open the front door in the mm-hmm, morning, right, mm-hmm. I have a copy of the New York yeah. Times in print and the Washington Post in print. I, How I many it. people today yeah. get a paper delivered to their front door? I don't door? think you look old. I think you look classic. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, no one talks about old cars. No, you look about classic vintage. Cars. Vintage. Thank, yes. That's it. Thank you, friend. The check's in the mail. I appreciate um, that. <laughs> <laughs> well, boy, with this John Kelly news, uh, the things are buzzing at the White House, you can bet. Elena Plott covers the White House, uh, brand new for The Atlantic. Uh, She joins me and uh, Eugene Scott and all of you coming up next. A quick break. We'll be right back. Take The Bill Press Show anywhere you go. Download our free podcast. Search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes and catch the highlights from every show. Okay, we are back here on The Bill Press Show on this Friday, December 7. Great to have you with us today as we come to you live from Washington, D.C., capital of the free world. We're brought to you today by the United Steelworkers and their international president, Leo Girard. The United Steelworkers, North America's largest industrial union, representing 1.2 million, over 1.2 million active and retired members. Check out their website at usw.org. Eugene Scott from the Washington Post here as a friend of Bill this entire hour for all the big news of the day. And we're joined by the brand new uh, correspondent from the Atlantic to the White House Press Corps, uh, Elena Plot. Hello, Elena. Nice to see you. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I just have one thing I want to say to Elena really quick. Yes. <laughs> Roll Tide. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Roll damn Tide. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Fellow Alabama fan in studio. I have to recognize it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. What's going on here? I think <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm, uh, I'm an ACC alum, but I respect here. the SEC. Yeah. Got to. You have to. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you have no choice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. No, it's okay. very, very true. Very, well, very true. Despite that, welcome. Yes. <laughs> uh, so there was a little bit of breaking White House news this morning we were talking about before you got here with the C- at least CNN reporting that John Kelly's days may be numbered or maybe his hours may be numbered. What do you know? What do you hear? What do you think? I haven't heard anything differently from what CNN is reporting. I pinged a White House source on the way here. And ultimately, the thing with staff shakeups, as you all have seen with this White House, is 
people's fates change by the minute. Mm -hmm. It's actually in many reasons why starting this job, I've tried in mapping out kind of my plans for coverage for the rest of the year, beginning of next year. I kind of want to stay want to stay away from those staff shakeup stories because you never really know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. But it could, I mean, when this comes out, one thing, this White House leaks a lot, mm-hmm. right? There are a lot they of people do. in the yeah. The White House officially and a lot of people in there take pride sort of in leaking. For for this to get out, Eugene, probably means there's something behind it. No? Well, it's it seems like it. I think uh, this one seems real for some reason based off of the information that's been uh, made available so far from CNN and, and, and what's happening in my Slack uh, account. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but, like, I mean, to Elena's point, that headline – John Kelly expected to resign soon has to be a headline they just had waiting because, like, we really have seen that yeah. quite a few times. All right. So how long before Sean Hannity is named the new chief of staff? Um, do you want to do over under four mm-hmm. hours? We <laughs> do that. That's fine. <laughs> or some people say that he didn't need John Kelly because Sean Hannity's always been the chief of staff or has assumed the role of chief of staff. Well, I mean, we have seen reports that they are regularly in communication and perhaps about things that uh, Hannity does not have a security clearance for. Um, and, and we know that this is a president who takes a lot of his cues about what should happen in America and the world from from Fox News. You talk about an impossible job. I mean, absolutely. But also, it's not even just that Trump doesn't feel that he needs John Kelly as chief of staff. He sees himself as the communicator in chief as well. It's why the communications shop has just felt so hamstrung and haphazard in the last two years. I mean, this is someone who really feels confident enough in his own approach to issues and problems that he doesn't need the people around him. Right. I will uh, never forget during the campaign, a coworker of mine uh, said, and they were they were responding to how willing Trump seemed to be at that time to talk to the president to have these scrums. And they said, it's it's clear that he doesn't really want to be the president. He wants to be the White House press secretary. <laughs> and uh, and essentially, he really well, has he is right <laughs> he, <laughs> today. He essentially has um, really guided his own communication mm-hmm. strategy or or lack of right. Uh, another person, John Kelly, is not the only person in the news with White House connections today. There's also uh, Victor- Victorina Morales. Um, she is an employee up at Bedminster, New Jersey, at the Trump International Golf Club. Uh, she is the woman who uh, makes Donald Trump's bed, who cleans his toilet and dusts his crystal ball trophies, according to the mm-hmm. New York Times. Sorry mm-hmm. about that, mm-hmm. uh, Eugene. I'm sure it's the same stories in I've the Washington Post. Never heard of it. Post. Never right. heard of it. <laughs> uh, when uh, the tr- uh, president is in residence, she wears a Secret Service pin, getting her complete uh, access flag, to all of his quarters. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. Uh, and she uh, came forward yesterday to point out that she crossed the border illegally in 1999. She's been hired uh, working at the Bedminster Trump Golf Club since t- 2013, and she says she's one of a, probably about a dozen undocumented workers who work there. Mm. Uh, this sort of undercuts part of Donald Trump's message about uh, undocumented workers. Oh, it certainly does. And I, I don't think the White House has responded in I've any way to this piece yet. But also, I mean, mm. what a journalistic feat. I'm sure you can both, um, you know, empathize with how exciting it must be to have landed a subject like that, willing mm-hmm. to go on the record, mm-hmm. be photographed and talk about something so sensitive as that, especially when the commander in chief 
of this country has come out as kind of antithetical to everything this woman right. stands for in her mm-hmm. background. Yeah, with, with quite a quite a risk. I mean, mm-hmm. there there was a woman profiled who was once undocumented but now has uh, legal mm-hmm. status, mm-hmm. but that's not her story. Um, and so there are real implications for it. But one thing that was fascinating to me, I, I guess there are two things. One, I. I don't think people should be surprised that there are undocumented people working at any Trump property based on um, quite a few things. I mean, she admitted that they falsified papers. This happens yeah, far more. The, the, thank you for adding that. Yeah. That she says that at least some of her supervisors there knew right. she did mm-hmm. not have documentation. She was here illegally mm-hmm. and they helped her get phony documents. Which is hardly surprising. Yeah, it's just they, not. It, it, hap- right. it happens more often yeah. uh, yes. than not. I think there are some people, I guess, who think that if uh, Trump really had these deep convictions that these people should not be employed some way, somehow he had systems in place to avoid being duped by these papers. But it's, it's, it really is uh, difficult in many ways. And I think uh, many of his supporters will will argue that point, that he didn't know he can't check everything. Um, it's not like he willingly uh, did these things. But the fact is, we we don't know that much yeah, yet. Actually, one thing I'll add. So before I started as um, a White House reporter, I covered Capitol Hill for three years. And of course, we've seen with this year's government brinkmanship, we um, get to these spending bills, always a huge fight over immigration. And one thing that has made Trump really unwilling to kind of go along with his base supporters, people like the freedom, uh, members of the Freedom Caucus, is because they're insistent that provisions um, requiring E-Verify in businesses across America be included in mm. spending bills related to immigration. And he is ardently opposed to E-Verify. <laughs> and you read stories like this mm-hmm. and you understand why. I mean, so to me, if his supporters, and I think you're so right, were to argue that he do- he can't know possibly right. what goes on at a granular level at mm-hmm. all of his hotels. I think he's perfectly aware. He's worked in construction and right. real estate for right. a long time. He knows exactly why E-Verify would sure. you know, hamper his business operations. Mm-hmm. And I've always found that interesting that you know he talks about the wall constantly, but when it comes to E-Verify mm-hmm. in these um, negotiations before spending bills, he is just, he could not be more convicted that it's not the right thing. Yeah. But, but we also do know about Trump is that there have been other opportunities where he has intentionally and aggressively sought foreign workers for his projects yes. Yes. Um, and yes. his properties yes. Yes. Uh, b- because uh, one, one would assume this is a more economical decision for him. Right, uh, particularly in Mar-a-Lago, yes. the cases mm-hmm. of, 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 of under that HB21, or I can yeah. never yeah. remember <laughs> what the initials Yeah, but the, the, yeah. the foreign HB2. contracts, yeah. I, I just want to point out finally that, uh, so I saw this these two women last night both on CBS News and NBC News hmm. and front page Wash Post and front page New York Times this morning. She said that it was a journalistic coup. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and they, of course, put their, not just their jobs, mm-hmm. but their life in the United States mm-hmm. on the line Absolutely. by coming forward. But why would they do that? She told um, reporters yesterday, quote, we are tired of the abuse, the insults, the way he talks about us when he knows that we are here helping him make money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kind of pokes through the whole hypocrisy of the situation. Definitely. Peter, what do you got? I just want to throw in a little bit of news. Uh, we just Uh-oh. got, it's the first Friday uh, in December. Oh, so yes. we got the yes. job numbers for November. The economy added 155,000 jobs in November. That is down from 237,000 in good. October. Still very good. Uh, the unemployment rate remained near a historic low at 3.7%. That is where we still are. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's a little bit of good news, which mm-hmm. the White House uh, mm-hmm. still positive job growth. Mm-hmm. I 
You know, I've lost track of how many months of mm-hmm. positive job mm-hmm. growth, but this is the 10th year of the mm-hmm. economic recovery. Uh, got a little shaky this week with the uh, with, with the um, tariffs in China yeah. falling apart and the, and the Dow crashing right. 799 points. Um, and in light of this, this is one thing that, that, that yesterday that hit the market um, badly with the news that um, the very time that President of our president and the president of China were saying they had this new deal at that very hour they were celebrating this deal in Argentina the Canadian government was arresting a top Chinese executive at the request of the United States uh, which has made the president of China not too happy to learn Mm -hmm. that this was taking place does this sort of screw this whole truce with China I'm not sure if we know that a truce ever was actually struck. Well, that's a good point. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, there truce been so was many, claimed, uh, but was it actually? Yeah, I, I'm not even sure Larry Kudlow himself knows. He he himself seems to have um, since Argentina said quite a few different things about whether um, anything was actually struck with China mm-hmm. over the weekend. So I think um, with regard to tariffs, it's probably safer to assume that there's nothing in place right now in terms of a deal. In fact, we've played uh, several clips of Larry Kudlow and, and the verbs that he used were very instructive. He said, I assume, mm-hmm. uh, I think, we expect, mm-hmm. or that's my guess. Sure, sure. <laughs> very reassuring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, he, and even if the truce had been uh, made, one, one should know enough about this White House foreign policy uh, not to believe that anything is is in stone long enough to be walked back. I mean, the reality is one of the main challenges I think a lot of people in uh, our foreign policy community have had was seeing that this is not a president who consistently behaves towards our allies um, as well, even as like our enemies in a way that seems deeply rooted in some consistent theory and approach um, based on you know history, uh, data and research, and and the long term best interest perhaps um, uh, of policy making related to specific issues. So today is Friday, and uh, we saw the uh, special counsel come forward on I think it was was it Tuesday with his uh, plea, uh, pa- the papers that he filed related to Michael Flynn. Mm-hmm. Today, uh, the special counsel is scheduled to file papers related to. What should happen to Paul Manafort, whom he accused last week of reneging on his mm-hmm. deal to tell the truth and to cooperate? What do we expect, um, Alana, today? And, and you've written about the final report, and the White House is maybe not ready for that. But pro- before we get into that, what, what do we expect today, both of you, from, mm-hmm. uh, from Robert Mueller today vis-a-vis Manafort? What we can expect, uh, I think, um, just in terms of transparency, is to see what Paul Manafort may have lied about to the special counsel, what sorts of things he may have um, said to Robert Mueller in the hopes of um, striking a plea deal, but then sort of, um, you know, went back to allies in the Trump administration to report to them otherwise. So if we get, you know, insight into what Paul Manafort was um, untruthful about, we may know more about what exactly Donald Trump and his closest allies might have to be worried about when a full report does come down. Right. Uh, and Manafort could be facing a good chunk of time in prison or a pardon, I, I guess, huh? Indeed. I mean, and, and what's also, I guess, possible uh, is to discover just how much Manafort has been working with Mueller um, and perhaps how that could influence the decision in terms of his fate in prison um, or not. 
as we've seen earlier, I think people expected uh, to see a harsher response to Flynn, only to discover that that was not the case because of his cooperation. And so the reason why I think eyes could be on that is because the president has continued to send signals, I believe, as do many people believe, to Manafort that said, do not uh, perhaps talk, uh, do not cooperate. There could possibly be a reward on the other side if you do not. And so we'll see what Manafort decided to do ultimately um, and what the implications of that could be uh, for the White House. So um, if things went kind of quiet during the midterms, right? I think Mueller recognized he didn't want to be accused of interfering in any way with mm-hmm. the midterms. But since the midterms, you know, we've had Cohen's guilty plea. We've had the filings on Michael Flynn. We had the accusation by the charge by the special counsel that Manafort had broken his deal. Now today we're going to have the the Manafort filings. It all looks like things are really in high gear, maybe leading up to the final report. Elena, you've reported that you would think the White House would be all ready to go. I mean, what's Rudy Giuliani doing, right? Uh, waiting. Getting ready to, to know how to respond to this report, and that's not the case? No, I um, I talked to Rudy Giuliani two days ago for about half an hour. Oh and my God, that um, must have been a, it was, it was quite a life. time. Yeah, <laughs> a delightful <laughs> start to the beat. Um, but to your point about Manafort, I, I asked him specifically, is the president still um, you know, interested or open to pardoning Manafort? And he said nothing has changed in terms of his openness. But he pointed out that one thing that Trump has said to him, him being Rudy Giuliani, is that the notion that Paul Manafort is in solitary confinement right now just really, really incenses him. And uh, in fact, he's, uh, Rudy Giuliani said that Trump said to him, um, don't they realize we're America when talking about Paul Manafort in solitary confinement? But, but by the way, let's just add, if he's in solitary confinement, all right, it, it, you know what that probably means, right? He's may, he may not be able to leave the room, but he's got, I'm sure, a very comfortable surrounding. Oh, his I, own bathroom, his own color TV, his own computer, his own bed, his own couch. Yeah, yeah. He's not in a little cell with a little one little pad and a bucket to right, be in. Right, but it seems as though those are the connotations Trump is operating off of. Of course. When he, right. um, but you know. What Giuliani told me essentially is that for Trump, focusing on the outcome as it relates to him personally has never been, you know, the focal point of this White House. One person I talked to was Joe Lockhart, who was press secretary yeah, for Bill Clinton right. um, as they prepped for the Star Report. It's really hard to find an analog for the Mueller investigation, but I figured that might be as close as we could get mm-hmm. um, in trying to, you know, make comparisons. And one thing he told me was that, you know, one thing that was different about our White House, and I imagine if something similar happened in the Bush White House, is that it never occurred to us that the president wouldn't have been entirely honest with his closest aides about what might be coming and say this is the absolute worst case scenario because this is exactly what did and didn't happen in the campaign. And that's what it takes to make a plan, right? When you're mapping out, okay, what is the best thing that could come of this report? What is the worst? What are the potential responses we have? If, um, you know, if Trump is not being honest with those closest to him about what really did go on in 2016, there's no possible way for them to have a plan. Yeah, yeah. So they're going to be caught flat-footed, or could be. 
Yeah, I mean, I, perhaps obviously, and there are a few reasons for that. One, uh, if that's the case, perhaps Trump just doesn't trust some of the people who are closest to him, which would be understandable considering how new some of these people are, which we talked mm-hmm. about with John Kelly just earlier. And so um, this is not a president, even in his business life, who uh, was known for having uh, a lot of close friends um, and allies and people that he could mm-hmm. rely on mm-hmm. or, or mm-hmm. boys. Like, they're, they're just, we've not seen people who've right. said, said that they had that type of relationship um, with the president. It's also possible that, with all due respect, the president may not even remember everything. Um, some of these conversations were very murky. Whether or not he was present for all of them is still up in question. Whether or not the people who were present relied to him any information or all of the information, there's just a lot that was happening on. And I think it kind of reveals just the, the depth of chaos um, and disorganization that existed with uh, not just this White House, but this or this campaign from day one. Well, it has been uh, the chaos and both sides. Like like in the beginning, uh, his attorneys were saying, look, you di- if you did nothing wrong, let's just cooperate and let this thing run its course. Mm-hmm. And, and meanwhile, they were trying to argue that approach and Donald yeah. Trump was out there attacking it as a witch hunt from the very beginning. Uh, right. So to your point, um, I was just alerted that Uh-oh. Trump tweeted in response to my article, basically, he just said, Uh-oh. it has been incorrectly reported that Rudy Giuliani will mo- not be doing a counter to the Mueller report. That is fake news. Already 87 pages done, but obviously cannot complete until we see the final witch hunt report. There you are, right here. <laughs> in um, real time. In real time on the Bill Press show, you get your response from, yeah, from, yeah. from the uh, president. And would you like to respond to the president? <laughs> I mean, you can just look at the quotes from Rudy Giuliani, which is to say we've had to put, had to put all planning on hold. Um, one, because it took the president um, three weeks to answer his questions from Mueller, those written responses. And what Giuliani said to me, normally that would take my clients two days. I'm not sure why he said that to me, Mm. Um, but said that it was actually really difficult for Trump, that he got distracted very easily and that um, it was a, quote, real job to remember what happened in 2016. It's been so fascinating watching the president push back on reporting and yet not uh, acknowledge that the reporting has people quoted on the record from your team. Um, This is this is where this information is often coming from. Now, fact check here. The president says, right. There, this re, his counter report is already in progress, and there are 87 pages mm-hmm. of it written already. How do we know? The, what do we know about the veracity of that? And it appears from what you said that Rudy Giuliani, if that's true, doesn't know about that. Well, Rudy Giuliani over the summer said we would like to do a counter report. And it was something when reporters would follow up with him, it was always in a very um, kind of predictive sense. You know, I imagine we will start getting together something like this. But, you know, one thing he kept saying to me over the phone was how can we possibly, you know, really get in depth with a counter report if we don't know what's coming to, you know, which goes to the point of I'm not sure they know what could possibly come in Mueller's final report because, you know, it's unclear that the president has been forthcoming with even his lawyers about, you know, um, the extent to what Mueller could be reporting on. Right. Uh, And instead, they keep saying, well, we know that there was no collusion. We don't know that there was no collusion, right? I mean, Robert Mueller hasn't yet said Mm -hmm. there was, but he hasn't yet said there wasn't. Correct. 
Uh, then there's also the whole area of obstruction of justice, mm -hmm. which seems to me the president gives him more ammunition on that almost every day. And now by dangling a pardon in front of Manafort or uh, attacking Cohen for cooperating either way or praising Roger Stone for having the guts not to cooperate, you one could raise the charge of witness tampering, which I, I don't know whether Mueller's looking at that, but... I texted Roger Stone as I was reporting this story, and yes. I said, is it your understanding that the White House or the president have any sort of plan in place to respond to the Mueller report for whatever scenarios might be outlined? And he just said to me, no, they don't need one. Trump holds all the cards. And I think that's the mentality every staffer in the White House has at this point, that Trump will read the report and he will tweet, and that will be the strategy. Would that be enough? Depends on one what he tweets, but I mean, I think. Uh, but I mean, if you have an official Department of Justice report, <laughs> right? I mean, like that. Uh, maybe it doesn't accuse him of a crime, but mm -hmm. I mean, is really negative, mm -hmm. critical of the president and his team. Yeah. Respond with a tweet. I think. Well, I mean, to to, to be gracious, it'll probably be a bit of a tweet thread, but and not not just two hundred and forty <laughs> characters. We we've seen them, you know, really yeah, get well, into threading yeah. recently. Um, but uh, it, it probably won't be enough. That the, the short answer is that is not, I think, how most people would respond to a report from the Justice Department of of this magnitude. Uh, and you can bet that um, Jerry Nadler and Adam Schiff and. <laughs> Some people in the knowing that the new Democratic leadership in the House will make sure that right. Well, the well, that's report the gets thing. a little more attention now very that we're, quickly. Yeah. Now that we're post midterms, we're in legal territory. Now this is not about just you know assuaging your base that mm -hmm, everything is mm -hmm, fine. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. about you know what are actually the legal challenges right. that come now, and tweets don't really address right. those. Well. Uh, a big news day, and you're right in the heart of it here as it's happening on the uh, Bill Press Show. Elena Plot, great work. You're going to have a good run at the White House Thanks, uh, Bill. With, for The Atlantic. TheAtlantic.com, and of course, with Eugene Scott. Always follow him at WashingtonPost.com or even WashPost.com. Yep. That's it, folks. Have a great, great weekend. Come this on back on Monday. We'll be looking Bill for you. Press show.